Let Him Go Barefoot is a podcast that dives into all things parenting and education through the lens of mindful awareness. Conversations aim to bring forward patterns, beliefs, and attitudes that shape our expectations and ideas about what it means to raise healthy children. With the blend of science, ancient wisdom, and intuition, we will explore ways to support, nurture, and connect with our growing children while also nurturing and expanding ourselves. I am grateful you are here. Welcome to the podcast today, Emily. It's so nice to have you here. Um, We met on Instagram and I have enjoyed watching your reels lately. That seems to have picked up a lot (laughs) in the last, last few months and learning about Home Tribe and what you're offering the homeschool community with your platform. So Thank you for being here, and um, I'd like to just dive into what Home Tribe is, who you hope to reach, and kind of what the mission and the values are, and also get into your homeschooling journey. Yeah, absolutely, and thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really excited to dive in today and um, to be your guest, so thank you for reaching out. It's been really fun to get to connect on Instagram. It's always uh, the greatest place to share information and and, uh, passion about what we're doing, so Thank you. Yeah. So Home Tribe is a platform. Yeah, it's a it's a mobile web platform and a native iOS and Android app that connects families and educators together for local and online learning experiences, shippable and digital educational resources and friends wherever you are on the globe. We're an international platform, so you can download our app uh, on iTunes and Google Play anywhere you are. So we really aim to reimagine education together to provide uh, resources, to be resourced, especially for families in uh, California. That's where we started, but you know we've branched out internationally because this is the this this education conversation is a global conversation. It's a global issue. Um, so that's really where we stand at Home Tribe is, is to connect people and to be a resource to help revolutionize education, homeschool and alternative education specifically, um, and to just guide families, uh, especially new families into the homeschool journey. Well, and so talk to us a little bit about your homeschool journey. How did you, how did you get here? Yeah. So homeschool dropped on my radar back in 2014. We were raising our boys in Santa Cruz, California. It was an area that had a lot of uh, progressive values. It was a very uh, progressive mindset. And we have certain beliefs about uh, you know, medical freedom. Uh, we, we stopped vaccinating our children at a certain point. And we saw there was a huge issue in our area when it came to our rights as parents with religious um, and, and personal beliefs. So, you know, we kind of started venturing out into kind of alternative education options. My boys were really young at the time. So I dipped my toe, you know, in, in the early learning homeschool space. That's actually when I created Home Tribe as a prototype. We connected 50 families and educators together for early learning experiences. This is when I saw back in 2015 that educators were leaving the public education and private education space to actually homeschool their own children and provide, provide uh, education options for others. So we did the prototype. It was really cool to see that that there was a need even back then. And then we moved our family to an area we thought that would be sufficient for public education. So we 
gave public education a go. My children were first in kindergarten at this point. And, you know, we, we got into a great uh, neighborhood public school and we just saw that there were more issues. So we, we had issues, severe bully issues with my oldest son. He would come home devastated. We saw, you know, curriculum that didn't align with our family values, the oversized classrooms, you know, educators that were just very frustrated and exasperated naturally from how big their classrooms were. And so I decided to try homeschool out once more. I went in with the idea that I had to do public education at home because my children were a little bit older and I, you know, tried it for a few months and I failed. I felt like a failure. There wasn't a community that I could plug into because homeschool in my area, though it's, you know, uh, more conservative in nature, there really wasn't a hub for home education for homeschoolers. There was just, you know, the, I call them the OGs of homeschool. <laughs> and I didn't really feel like I was connecting. And so, you know, I gave, I gave up, I put them back in public education. I felt like a failure. There was a lot going on in our personal lives and then COVID hit. So when COVID hit, we tried the zoom, you know, imagine doing zoom classes, with like a kindergartner, it just doesn't work. It's mm. not, Know, for six hours a day, you know, that was what was provided to us. That was the, ex- the new experience that we were supposed to, you know, to have with our kids. And I said, you know, you know, this just isn't this, it's not working. Anything is better than this. Like, you know, even if I felt like a failure at homeschool, like anything is better than Zoom classes with a kindergarten or first grade. So we did homeschool again and this time for good. And then that's when I saw that there was a huge exodus from public education, both educators and parents were leaving, as you know, especially in California, really with no plan to return. So just that's when I the light bulb went on and I said, you know, this is the perfect time for Home Tribe to serve the community. And that's when we started reiterating our platform and really enhancing it to be uh, not only a resource. We did a lot of homeschool one on one meetings uh, in our early days uh, when it was needed. But, you know, we, we built on that to be a resource at Home Tribe, you know, and so it, it, it helped me. It, it helped me find my community. It helped me plug in. It helped me create community. Um, and that's, you know, really where we are today, where we're a vibrant community of homeschoolers and people who love alternative education. That's amazing. Wow. And, you know, as I'm listening to you speak, I hear several things. One is the idea that you felt alone and you felt like a failure when you were trying to do school at home, when you try to replicate what happens in a school building in the home setting. You know, you're not the only one I've heard say that, where it's like, you try to do the same thing that's happening with multiple other teachers who have lots more resources at their fingertips. And then you're trying to be mom and teacher. And so is that kind of the way it was with you in your home? Then it was like, I tried, you tried to do like it by the bell or some sort of a schedule. Like now it's, it's math. Then let's go to reading. Is that what you mean by trying to do it at home like that? Yeah. So we, we opted into a, a homeschool program. So I'm sure, you know, you're familiar, like you go to the to public school and you go once a week and then they give you what you're supposed to touch on. And so I thought that this okay. was the only option for homeschool. I needed guidance. And that was the only guidance that I, that I thought was available was, you know, to meet with my, uh, with my home educator teacher. I can't remember what they call them, but they're, you know, guides. And they, so is it somebody that you were assigned to when you decide to homeschool? So that, yeah, so our, our, there was a neighborhood school that had a homeschool program specifically. So she was well-versed in, you know, homeschool laws, but we had to it actually adhere to 
the 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 state requirements mm. for homeschool. So it was a little my experience I, I think was a little different. I think we're raising a lot more awareness now that you don't have to go and have an appointed person to tell you what subjects that you hit on. And she also only asked for samples, but I had it in my head that I had to do five to six hours a day. I had to hit mm. on every single subject. I didn't really give myself any leeway. You know, it was just rigid structure all day long and I do feel that's why I failed and the lack of community because there really was nobody there in the program. It was like me and one other person. Sure. <laughs> so it was still a pretty new concept in my area. Mm-hmm. Well, and then you also said too that you you went back to public school and COVID hit. So can you elaborate just a little bit on that in terms of what it looked like day to day for you all when you were expected to do school at home? As far as the Zoom experience? Yeah. Yeah, so they were required to sit in a chair. It was just as you would, they were trying to recreate public education in the classroom via Zoom classes. Okay. So, you know, you had periods, like you had to be there at 8 a.m. If you weren't at 8 a.m., you, you were marked absent, you know, or late, or they wouldn't let you into the class. You were having to switch and do tons of different online platforms. So there was just many different things that you had to switch in and out of to, to actually be on task, right? So it was just all of this hustle and bustle, high stress. And if your child didn't sit in a chair and look at the screen, you know, for five hours a day, you were, they were failing that class. Mm. So it, it was, it was very, uh, very stressful, very unconventional, just we were just not used to this. Some kids actually thrived. My kids did not thrive. I didn't mm-hmm. thrive. And so that's when we, you know, we pulled them and we real we, we were, we were just, we didn't have any hope for public education at that time. We, we really thought that in that time, this is how public education was going to go. Like we weren't going to go back to the class. They didn't get the option to go back to the class for nine to 10 months. We yeah. offered before that, but uh, a lot of kids actually didn't go back to the the class, they actually stayed on these Zooms. And then many, the when we saw the exodus was when we couldn't even get into our homeschool programs. People were just running to homeschool in droves. They were looking for any charter, any you know home education option. There were a lot of like newcomers to the homeschool space. Um, so we, we saw that. I mean, there were, there was like a, a deficit in, in homeschool resources. So if you plug into like a charter, if you plug into a home home education program, they'll give you like books and resources. They, they had none left. There was wait lists. Mm. It was like mayhem. It was crazy. Wow. Wow. Well, and it sounds like it was also a perfect time, like you said, to, to revitalize Home Tribe. So can you walk us through what, what your platform looks like, what it is, and then um, kind of how, how people can use it and then get involved if they're interested or even participate as a creator? Yes. So you can opt into Home Tribe two ways. You can either provide services and actual products and experiences as an educator. Uh, So, you know, as an educator, you can be a homeschool parent that's offering these classes and resources or, or, you know, an alternative education teacher. Uh, But you would go on Create Your Educator account and profile. You have about six different listings to choose from as an educator. So you can offer uh, your, you can advertise your in-person program. So if you have like, say a co-op, you can create your listing that describes your co-op and people can actually book and pay through home tribe mm. and, uh, you know, uh, opt into your service. You can use it just for an advertising tool, like 
they you can opt in just for the contact button if you just want to raise awareness and advertise through our newsletter as an educator that you have you know this program you can uh you can offer online classes so home tribe has an online meeting space it's called home tribe live sessions so you can offer one-on-ones and group live sessions on home tribe again the parents would book and pay you get paid directly within two days through the platform and you can also offer digital resources so if you have printables you know pdfs digital formats zips you can upload those through the platform and then parents uh, purchase them through you and then they get the download uh, uh, right away after their purchase on their end and if you also have educational items so physical items shippable items you can have that listing offer that listing say you have educational manipulatives and toys you can opt into that listing and the parents just they purchase that again the money goes straight to you and then you would get all of their shipping information get that um, shipped off to them so that that is for the educator side for the parent side there are a couple of different really cool features we have uh, the home tribe local friends features so with a parent account you can describe uh, your family and your indoor interests your outdoor family interests so there's uh, you know further point of connection when families are filtering and trying to find you know like-minded people like if you book both like boating, outdoors, you know, indoor activities, books, that's just a cool place to connect. And then there's also a request listing. So if you, for example, have a special needs child, a very specific need, you can create that listing and then educators can see like, you know, like Debbie, you know, her son is autistic and she's looking for, you know, an educator that specializes in autism. The educators will see that and can filter through that. And then all of the ways I told you on the educator side, that's how parents are uh, opting into experiences, can you know, online sessions, as well as their digital and shippable uh, items. Okay. That's amazing. Well, and so how did you get this idea? Was this, I mean, I know you said you saw that sort of a need for it, but like, are you, are you, do you have background in web development and software development? Or was this one of those, like, I just see an, I see a need and I'm going to do what I can to figure it out. Or is it very self-directed? Yeah. So in 2014, I had the opportunity to work very closely with an executive team at an event app company. So their their product uh, was very different product, but there were similar similarities. And so I was able to sell that product and to market that product. That was my job. I was a, a sales, I was an account rep for them. And I actually knew the CEO personally. And so I was really able to to glean from that, uh, you know, business relationship because I was able to work with that team so closely. And so I eventually, uh, he inspired me to get into user experience and user interface design. I was doing like a lot of, a lot of, uh, pitches, uh, mm-hmm. because we were pitching big clients like Google and Avaya, the event app was very moldable. So for example, if you had like a client, uh, at Google and they were doing an event, they would actually customize that app, that event app, so that when you go to an event, you use their app and there was like a license thing. And so I was really able to see like deeply, like how these features really benefited the clients. Um, so that really, you know, that's when the light bulb went on. But then when I dove into user experience and user interface design, I was really able to see that connection uh, with the customer, the customer to to the actual features, um, to the product and how they behave. And so I just, I, I, you know, that job really inspired me, but I did a lot of self-learning. I, I was, I was able to 
see tech really enhance from 2014 to now. So a lot of the things uh, that I integrate with, that, that Home Tribe integrates with, they were really at, at early inception in 2014. So it was really cool to get to grow with these uh, platforms, these integrations, and kind of see how they all the inner workings, uh, you know, work together, different moving parts work together. Um, but, we, you know, we've obviously come so far in tech. And I had the the opportunity to work for six months with the previous um, director at Apple, and that was you know really cool, really eye opening. She you know she brought a lot of um, she ignited a lot of passion in me to keep going. Um, mm. So yeah, it was it was a lot of self learning, tons of mentors. You know, I still speak to that CEO to this day. He's just you know hands down one of the best mentors I've ever had in business and and in our line of work. So yeah, That's I mean great. Yeah. Passion, self-learning. That's right. No, I, I, I ask because, you know, I think that's one of the missing, not missing pieces, but something people don't, parents don't think about when it comes to their kids learning is like you get to show them what self-directed education is all the time. And you also get to encourage them that learning happens no matter what age you are and you're never too old to learn something new, you know? And I think parents forget that we are the living examples to our children. So sometimes when you go to homeschool, you think, Oh, I've got to do all this stuff to them. When in really, in fact, you just live your life and talk about learning and be curious yourself. And so I just love that you had this inspiration and you just went for it. So it's a great example you've set for your kids, but also you've been able to create something to connect a ton of homeschooling families so on that note, how many families do you think you've contacted or you've connected? Do you keep kind of numbers on that sort of thing or? Yeah, we have about a thousand users on the platform. We connect with, oh my gosh, we send, we send thousands of emails out and we really, it's really cool to get to see internationally that there is such a huge need and such an awakening for mm. education. I mean, I, I get to talk to people in Dubai, they're having the same education crisis there, you know, it may look different, but they're opting out of government education. Some of these people in, for example, Dubai, I spoke with a mother there and they're, they're actually homeschooling their children legally under the radar oh, uh, because wow. they don't like what's going on in their government system. You know, she didn't get specific, but Canada talks to a lot of people in Canada. They feel the same way. They're taking their children out. They're educators. They're creating these lovely learning experiences, uh, you know, these co-ops and pods and academies and learning studios. And, uh, you know, Australia is huge in the, in the new homeschool community. So, you know, when we get to connect, they, they deeply understand the need for a platform like this, but they're also really passionate about, about advocating for homeschool and alternative education because they are facing, you know, issues, similar problems globally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can imagine. And it's a, I was in education for many, many years and to be like we talked about before I started recording the fact that I'm on this other side of our unschooling journey. My son's almost 21 and to be able to look back at where we were when we started and also where we are now as a family and as individuals, but also just as a society, it's quite alarming in some ways and also exciting, you know, that we have the technology and the capability of connecting with one another and meeting people all over the world. So we don't necessarily need to feel alone, even if in our own immediate community, we don't necessarily have people. We can connect still with people all over. So the, I call it the great the great educational awakening. I really think we're in the midst of that right now, Absolutely. where people are recognizing that 
we've gone this particular way for a very long time and it's become just very clunky and big. And um, I think it's lost the plot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So can you get a little bit more specific if you don't mind with some of like your values and and maybe even the mission of home tribe? I know you you originally said it's to connect families. Is there a secondary mission or is there something else you're thinking about kind of long-term? Yeah, you know, our primary mission is to really just give the keys back to the parents. We really advocate, you know, heavily for empowering parents to take the lead in their child's educational journey, you know, their medical freedom journey, their their personally held beliefs journey, and just getting back to basis and basics and just, you know, uh, getting re-inspired and reconnected with, you know, their family unit. I, I think that that's kind of when it all boils down to it, it's like, this is about your family's journey. And I think we can get lost in that when we talk about educational philosophies and, you know, and how we're going to, you know, reimagine, you know, education specifically, but, but really, you know, the foundation is family. And so we're pro-family, you know, we are, we we are pro-life because I believe in protecting the most vulnerable because we're a child platform. We, we advocate for medical, you know, parents making the decisions for medical freedom, for religious freedom. Um, So yeah, again, just really empowering the parent um, to parents to take the lead in their child's educational journey because it's, it's, it's their values. You know, you're, you're instilling your, your child's values and that is education in itself. Right. Well, and did you, and I, yeah, I agree. I like all that, what you stand for. And also the fact that it is the family's journey. And I didn't really think about that as deeply when we first started, as I began to think about it, as we started going on, of course, for us, it was, we were having so much fun (laughs) with my son and my daughter, who was only six months old when he was a able to be enrolled in school. And I remember thinking, we're having such a good time. Why would I want to disrupt this? And, you know, we, we're, we're still getting to know each other as a family of four with the new baby. And I can't imagine just sending him away and being like, now it's time you've made this, you've reached this magical age where you have to go away to total strangers all day long. <laughs> and, right. and it, 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 so, yes, I mean, underneath it all, there was that family piece, but then as we went on more and more, it became a bigger and a more obvious reality, which is that we are developing our family. And when it's all said and done, no matter whether you choose unschooling, homeschooling, or going to public school, at the end of the day, that's what you have, right? That you want your family to be available and part of your life for an extended amount of time. So, you know, teachers will come and go, students, people will come and go in your lives, but the family unit is what you hope can stay rock solid. So I like that that's part of your mission is to really empower parents. So having said that, are there any calls to action or thoughts that you'd want to share with people to take into consideration if they're thinking about homeschooling or maybe they just started and they feel a little lost no matter where they are? So I know you're in California, but (laughs) it speaks to everybody. Yeah, I think that the first fear, I did a lot of homeschool one-on-one nights and, you know, this was in the midst of, you know, the whole COVID battle. And I really saw that a lot of parents were fearful because they were breaking away from everything that they had ever known. You know, they, we get this idea in our mind of what education is because that's what we've been taught. I don't think that our generation can, you know, I don't know when it was that we broke away from 
homeschool, but we don't, we've never really seen it on this scale, but we don't really have that concept, right? We, we, mm-hmm. you know, unless your family homeschooled you, a lot of these parents were coming from public education in, in traditional private settings. So it was like breaking away from the community. I think, you know, the first, you know, bit of, uh, uh, I'm, I'm blanking out on the word, the, 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 like a challenge the hope, or something. Yes. Well, the hope that I can impart on families that are afraid to leave the community in their public school or private school that they've ever known is that there's a new community on the other side. And I know that that can sound scary, right? To take that jump. You're like, I don't know anything about homeschool. How am I going to find my friends in my new community? But I think, you know, personally speaking, you know, taking that leap of faith, I just, my whole world opened up. So that's the hope that I can impart on on people who are on the fence. You know, for that reason, I saw a lot of fear for that. Uh, you know, these people are getting shunned from like birthday parties and such. And so it was like, you know, you're going to have so many beautiful opportunities to opt into a new community. Um, but also the issue comes up about, you know, I'm, I'm a working parent, you know, two working parents, right? How are we going to homeschool and educate our kids? And Again, it's that belief that we have to spend eight hours a day on education. Mm. When our children are small, that can be, you know, condensed, you know, if they're preschool, kindergarten, like 20 minutes up to an hour. And, you know, as you get more streamlined in your processes and what works for your children, like it's, you know, my kids, you know, it's like two to three hours, right? I don't know about how, how long it took you, you know, you've gone all the way through, but it, you don't have to, again, do public school at home. That is the next fear. Like I'm never going to be able to get all these hours done, especially because I'm, you know, we both have to work. And if you also have to, uh, uh, you know, outsource, mm-hmm. you know, you know, tutors or co-ops are so, I'm such an advocate for co-ops because they are, you know, budget friendly. A lot of time they can be free. You can trade time. They're very, you know, time friendly. You can manipulate your schedule around them. So I really like to recommend that for working parents as well. If, you know, we're on, you know, we're all on a budget, obviously, like we're either choosing to stay home or, you know, we're, we're having to outsource and um, provide that payment for people. So um, yeah, just, you know, thinking about your family's purpose, Knowing that your community is waiting for you and you're going to, mm-hmm. you're going to love the people that you meet and then molding your schedule to what works for your family first without the, the idea that you have to do it a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I do like that you mentioned the outsourcing piece and also the fact that it doesn't have to have six to eight hours of academic work because I do when you really look at how much time is wasted in school settings, I mean, I was a teacher and I was in the school settings. I mean, there's so much time of getting up, going to the bathroom, getting in, you know, from one classroom to the next, um, going outside to back inside. So when you think about all of the extra time of just movement, it's not going to be six straight hours of any sort of academic work. Um, but the fact is that when you are more focused on particular topics, and you're only with a couple of children, you get it done so much faster. And it also tends to stick a little better because it's not a distraction. You know, it's not 27 kids or 30 kids with one teacher. It's two with one or four with one. So the ratios are much better and the information tends to be easier to learn and to work through. Um, Right. Yeah. Yeah. So how old are your kids now? I forgot to ask that. Yeah, I have a, a nine-year-old and an almost 11-year-old. He'll be 11 in August. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> so nine and 11, and you started with them in 2014. Is that correct? 
I started. And then you uh, went back in and then you went back out at 2020. Yeah. So it's been kind of a tumultuous, is that the word, journey of ups and downs and in and outs. But yes, you know, that that was when the light bulb went on. And, you know, 2021 is really when we set it in stone. Okay. Well, I highlight that for a reason, because I want people to understand that if you make the decision to go to homeschool and you don't feel like it's working or you feel like you want to try, the, the, the bottom line is choice. It's a matter of what's working for you in this season. And then if, if you need to switch gears or change locations or change environments, then that's an option too. So not to get so obsessive about thinking so far into the future. And I think that's sometimes why people don't take the leap because they think, well, I can't do algebra and their kid's six. Right. <laughs> you know, and it's like, wait a minute, you don't have to go that far yet. Just take it day by day, step by step and, and recognize that there are so many more people doing this. So you will undoubtedly find either a small group of families or a nature program or co-op or some micro school that's available. And then on top of that, they can register with Home Tribe and really find people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And your child changes, you know, our, our children yeah. change. They have different needs at different stages. I was, I was so fortunate to get to watch my sister-in-law, you know, raise her kids in homeschool because Sometimes, you know, some years they did the charter school, other times it didn't work out, you know, other times they did, you know, unschooling. And so they were, they, they worked their schedules and their philosophy around to what worked for their kids at their, at their life stages, because kids Mm -hmm. change so dramatically. I mean, even in six months, a child can change. Gosh, isn't that true? Yeah, really. I mean, you need to see them growing so rapidly. And usually if there's a growth spurt, there's some other little, um, like emotional growth spurt as well. And, and their ability to understand information shifts and changes. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've said before, I don't believe there's learning emergencies where sometimes we think, oh my gosh, they don't know this by third grade, they're behind. Or or we, we have to get them to do A, B, C, and D because if we don't, then they'll never be able to do the stuff that happens in high school. And, and to really encourage people to just slow it down and take a breath and realize that so much of what we're presented with academics and curriculum was created by a board of people who are academics who are thinking, well, we've got to put something in place. So it's not like it's just the, you know, Bible of education. It's more ideas and and it's, it isn't even arbitrary, right? It changes from state to state. So you can be in North Carolina, which is where I am. And if I were to move to California, it would probably look totally different what the expectations were. So I think if people can just recognize that it really just look at the child in front of you and work on their interest of what they're able to do at that point in time. And it's, and it's okay not to cover every single thing that's listed like on a curriculum spreadsheet. Yeah. And I think it just makes more sense. You know, I think we're getting, because our world is so fast paced now, you know, because of AI, unfortunately, you know, loved or hated, it's a part of our society now and in technology, mm-hmm. it's like we have really been forced to be agile in our approach with everything else, you know, the industries are changing like in such a massive way. And so why wouldn't we take an agile approach to education? It doesn't really make sense that we're, that we're educating with like the same type of curriculum that really hasn't been changed, like changed, you know, because we, we receive information so fast and information is changing so quickly and our children are changing so quickly. It just makes sense to take a more agile approach you know, this year, this is what we're doing in six months, you know, this might not work for my kid, but 
you know, this one size fits all approach is it's just outdated. And I think that's yeah. why it's a global conversation because the government system is made for one type of a child, maybe, you know, two types of learners and, you know, the curriculum has been set in stone. They modified a little bit, but it takes how, how many millions of dollars to like overhaul, like mm. the actual like textbooks curriculum, you know, you know, the, the teaching approach. I, I don't really know if they even really do that a, a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I don't know if you've ever heard of the um, podcast Sold a Story. No. Did you hear that? So it was a six part podcast. I think it was done by an investigative journalist that went through the um, reading debacle across the country with the program that they utilized and was adopted by tons of cities and tons of states and billions and billions of dollars was spent to teach children how to read. And it was not founded it was not, it was not based in science. It was just an idea that, um, some people created and they ended up getting almost like a cult following. And, um, it worked for some kids. Sure. Beautifully because not every kid needs to have it broken down for them. You know, like if you watch your own children, you can see that some will pick it up a little bit more naturally than others. And some will need a little bit more direct instruction. So this idea was presented and then it became like, everybody was like, this is the best thing ever. And then kids weren't learning how to read. So it now is gone. So it's a six part. It's very interesting. If anybody's interested in like literacy and literacy rates and reading, it's quite a fascinating story to, to hear. Um, but it goes yeah. to show you this idea that it's sometimes not even about what works really for kids. It's about who can market their information the best. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's about you know, unfortunately, you know, who's in power, it's about group think, it's about mm -hmm. what's trending, it's about who, you know, who received the investment to market these, yeah. <laughs> these ideologies, it's, it's about infusing our society with certain ideologies, unfortunately, to control the masses. I mean, I truly believe that. And I think that's, you know, that was the beauty in disguise, I think, with COVID is that a lot of people woke up. Yeah. to what we have been fed in every aspect of our society, education, you know, in particular, I think we're seeing this unfolding of like, wait a minute, you know, this does, this, this isn't what we've always been taught. Like this doesn't even look like education when, when I was young and I'm a millennial, like this is different. And we're seeing a lot of people that actually came, you know, from certain countries a communist communist countries and Marxist country, countries actually coming over and saying, wow, you know, we went to Columbia University and this looks very similar to what we were taught in North Korea mm. <laughs> to, control our, to control our society. So, Ooh, you know, yeah. that's very interesting that we're becoming educated on, you know, the type of ideologies that are being spread, especially in universities. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, honestly, because that's one of the things that I try to do when I'm reading information about education or about societal changes, as I look for people who've come here willingly and I try to listen to their stories of what are they, what were they getting away from? What was it that that was so uncomfortable in their own country that they sought out a space here and why here, you know, what makes America so unique and why is it one of the spots where most people, people who want to leave their country come and, um, and to listen to those stories and, and to know this, that some of these people are actually homeschooling because they started out in the school system or like, wait a minute, like you said, the girl or somebody, was it a girl from, you were saying it was in Columbia? And, yeah. So, okay. you know, me park, she was a, and she was a North Korean defector and she what, went to say her name again. I'm sorry. I missed it. 
Yeah, her name is Yanomi Park, and she was a North Korean defector. She escaped communism, and she came here, and she got into Columbia University, and she had to quit. And so now she travels around the entire world, uh, you know, nation, and talks about how these universities are are teaching, you know, communism because. Mm. She likened it to what she was taught in North Korea. And so she, you know, her whole mission is to educate the youth on, on, you know, thinking for yourself and, and maybe not opting into these universities that are teaching these ideologies. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's one thing to talk about history and talk about what has happened across the world, but it's another thing to push it over one or the other. And, um, I've, I think that we're in a very unique time because of the fact that social media and the internet and all the different apps and the ways that people can connect to one another can share information so rapidly that people, I feel, don't take the time to really take in information, digest it, and think about it without having a reaction to it. Right that's thoughtful. <laughs> it's more like right. I have to respond now. And, and they feel almost there, there's been a pressure in some ways. Like, I mean, I know personally, just from my own Instagram page, when somebody comments, I feel like I have to say something because I don't want them to think I'm not listening. But then it's like, wait a minute, you don't have to say anything right this minute. <laughs> just give it some time. Um, and I do wonder if sometimes with our sharing of information that these ideas get going and they pick up their own momentum without yeah. some real solid thought that goes behind it and why it works or doesn't, or why is it a, a good idea or not? Yeah. I think that critical thinking skills are so important to teach our kids from a young age, because, you know, I, I, I question everything, you know, even if mm -hmm. I have a certain, you know, I, uh, ideology that I gravitate towards and there's maybe like a representative, you know, for example, you know, me part, it's like, I need to do my own due diligence. I can't just take these you know, trending people's word for it either. You know, what if they're paid by some, yeah. some media company? And so critical thinking skills is like, I think one of the most important things that we can teach our kids, like think for yourself, do your research, ask questions, you know, question the narrative, question the status quo, come up with your own hypothesis. You know, this is essential, I think, to, to imparting on our next generation so that they, they can be leaders mm -hmm. and they can, and they cannot, you know, become blinded by all of the propaganda on all sides that are coming at us to, 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 to be persuaded into making decisions. Yeah. You know, I wonder what you think about. So I have a theory that is that um, we are in a deficit of solid, healthy community. And what I think schools, when they first started year forever ago, they were kind of like this little great space of community gathering. You know, it's where the kids went, the families went, teachers were part of the community, parents and teachers knew each other um, and everybody felt invested in each other. And then as things got bigger and more spread out and bigger and more spread out, I think the community feel started breaking down and one of the issues with large universe or large school districts and large schools is that humans can't necessarily feel connected to hundreds of people simultaneously, you know? And so we're breaking off into these smaller little communities because we feel like we really need to have that connection again. And we need to be with people who do have our best interest 
at heart for the long run, not just for one school year. Um, and I, I wonder if some of the ideas that are being pumped into the psyches, if you will, of, of our children and our and families is, is almost taking advantage of that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think, you know, there's a lot of that simulation, right? You know, we're, we unfortunately are on social media a lot and that's, that's the simulation of the community. So, you know, I think that's teaching us to become isolated too. And it's just kind of like, ha- you know, have our online communities and not like opt into these, you know, smaller communities. I think that's what kind of you're, you're, you're alluding to, like, that we don't really know what community is. <laughs> right. Like it, it's, you know, we, orig- in, in the most ideal sense, it would be your immediate family and then your extended family and then your neighborhood. And then, you know, you would it's just be like a circle with your family and then it would just get bigger and bigger and bigger as you work out into the world. But because some people don't have really that strong family unit, they're looking for it online or right. in the school setting, but the school setting can't provide it necessarily. So yeah, I just feel like it's a crisis of connected communities. And so that's why I feel like we're seeing an exodus in many ways because people are like, we need our communities back that we can actually be involved in. So when we, you know, and, it, and there's a lot of people, some people who, give me pushback or pushback on homeschooling in general. It's like, well, if you don't like the schools, then participate. And right. I was like, well, that's great in theory, but you're not necessarily invited in no. as a parent. So Absolutely. it feels very separate. Like you do you, you take care of your kids when they're at your house and you give them to us and we'll take care of them when they're here. And I know that's not the case everywhere. So it's not a blanket statement that applies to every single school and every single school district. But when you're in larger cities, that does tend to be the case. And usually it's because of safety reasons. Yeah. I think that in, even in the most purest, innocent sense, the educator does feel that they have the authority. I mean, why wouldn't they, you know, Mm -hmm. why wouldn't the educator feel like they have the authority of your child? They have to have the authority of your child seven hours a day, five days a week you know, we're handing that responsibility over to the educator. It's almost unfair to say, you know, how dare you become an authority in my child's life if they're with your child more than they're with you. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So that, that I think is the basis of the problem and the argument, right? And so when we break away and we, we become the authority, you know, that again, empowers us as the parent, you know, I felt very secondary, when my children were in public education, you know, you, you pass the torch to the educator that, you know, they're, they know best, you know, they're the authority in education. And we do that for a decade and we lose that connection, that personal connection with our child on, on, on every level. And I think that's what now we're seeing. And, you know, even in the best circumstances in the best district with the most, you know, kind hearted educators, that's still going to happen. But, you know, now it's like, you know, now there's more agendas coming in. It's like, well, we have these kids captive for eight hours a day. What are we going to fill their brains with? You know, it's going to benefit us to fill their brains with this so that they can be programmed to do this for us. Uh, You know, it it, it affects the masses. And I think, you know, that's where a lot of parents now, even parents that don't want to do homeschool, they're not homeschool advocates, they know nothing about, now they're seeing, oh, this is what this is about. And I'm not okay with this. I don't know how we're going to do this or make it work, but we have to, to protect our children's mind and our hearts. Mm. So for anybody who wants to get involved with Home Tribe, I know you mentioned how to do that. Is there, um, 
would you suggest if somebody is curious about even starting a group just to go ahead and register with you or so it, does it make sense to do that or yeah if you're you know if you're a parent it's really cool to plug in to home try because we do homeschooling ones we have a plethora of like resources of just like abc's and one two threes of like homeschooling especially in california i'm actually going to go live uh with um wonderful woman named um karen she was the director of the california freedom keepers i don't know if you follow them at all um but she has a large homeschool community so we do a lot of like free you know uh informational meetings so when you get you opt into home tribe you get on our newsletter you'll you'll see those informational meetings that will help you along the way especially this summer if you're thinking about that in the fall and then if you just want to get plugged into your local community you know you can create a parent uh, a parent account, you get a parent listing, and then you get to see if there's anybody in your area that's using Home Tribe that's a like-minded family that's opting into homeschool. That's really cool. And then you also can, you know, get those resources that, that educators are offering, right? Uh, you know, educators are offering, you know, experiences and um, shippable and digital resources that will help you along the way um, to educate your child and to just have fun with your kid and engage with them with uh, the different learning experiences that we have. That's great. Um, and as you were talking, my mind wanders sometimes about various different things. And I, you mentioned the AI earlier. And was it you that did the um, the meme or no, the uh, reel on um, the AI generation where it's like you write the five paragraph essay, that's what's expected. And it's like now if you don't get get to the point within five seconds, it's like, oh, over. yeah. Did you? Yes. That was okay. a quote, actually. That was a really good quote. Okay. I know we should, you know, I should have pulled that one up because I would like I, to, maybe I'll find that one and stick it, stick it in the show notes. But um, yeah, I have it right here. It says, you do. Uh, okay, this, go ahead. yeah, this quote is by Morgan Household and it says, school, your paper must be a minimum five pages, real world. Explain it to me in five seconds or I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that, that just breaks it down really, really easily, doesn't it? It's like the, that's the, uh, that's the bottom line truth of what AI has provided for us, but also the the reality that education is changing. And it's not necessarily to say that long form writing doesn't have a place or isn't important, but it's let's use it when it's absolutely necessary versus just to check a box. Right. You know? Yeah, it's kind of it's it's kind of a uh, what's the word? It's not dystopian, but it's like why are we teaching our kids for ten years to do it in this format, and then we throw them out into the real world? <laughs> like in an interview, yeah. you got like a couple seconds to make an impression. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. Yes, right. Like the elevator pitches, they really need to understand those. Yeah. One a sentence, lot, a lot more, <laughs> and talk about critical thinking skills, right? Right. Well, Absolutely. is there? Is there any, are there any parting words or quotes or things that you want to leave people with when it comes to encouragement for homeschooling or, you know, if they're already on the journey and are feeling a little discouraged or maybe, you know, they don't feel like they've got what it takes to keep going. Is there something that you'd like to offer based on your personal experiences? Yeah, I think, you know, the first thing is that we deeply understand as parents that we sacrificially love our children. So even if we don't feel like we're equipped and have all the resources or the schedule set up or the know-how that that sacrificial love is going to help guide us through and become, you know, the best educators and the, and the best directors in our child's life. But I also love this quote. It's by Harold B. Lee. And it says the most important work 
you and I will ever do will be within the walls of our own homes. So I think if we start there, you know, we start from the heart and we start at home, we can navigate through this time, you know, with our family and our children and and really boil it down to what matters the most. Oh, I love that. So why don't you let everybody know where they can find you on all your social media and also where Home Tribe's located? Yeah, so you can go to hometribe.com. That is our mobile web platform version. You can also download Home Tribe on your iOS and Android phone, a Google Play and iTunes store, and you can find us on social media. Our handle is our home tribe, and that's where we you know, connect with you. We do lots of different things. Like I love going on um, podcasts. Your podcast is amazing. And we just really love to create community on socials. Um, we love to provide, you know, funny stuff, uh, you know, <laughs> raise awareness in a, in a humorous way so that, you know, uh, we can help educate you, but also, you know, make you laugh and entertain you and, and give you the information and resources that you need about homeschool and alternative education. Thank you so much for being here today. Yes. Thank you, Missy. This was really fun. Thank you for listening. To learn more about guests on the podcast and to stay up to date on how they are showing up to make the world a better place for children and families, please check the show notes. To become a part of the great educational awakening and to keep up with my latest writings, offerings, and workshops, be sure you're signed up for my Substack newsletter. You can also follow along on social media at Let Em Go Barefoot. That's L-E-T-E-M-G-O Barefoot. As always, stay curious, stay connected, and stay aware. Until next time.